the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again to the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. We do this every weekend on AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. And uh, Jeff Sennis engineers our show each weekend, does a beautiful job. Uh, Andrew Herdliska produces it. And uh, Andy has produced Laura Harris-Smith in this first half hour, uh, founder of Eastgate Creative Christian Fellowship. Uh, Her new book is out, and it's a good one. It's called Seeing the Voice of God. What God is telling you through dreams and visions, uh, Ravel is the publisher. How are you, Laura? I'm doing great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. So what is the deal with dreams and visions? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's a topic that the world is really interested in right now. In fact, unfortunately, the world is consumed with the topic of the paranormal and visions and dreams and you know, they turn it into some new agey thing. Unfortunately, the world is educating them. Uh, but I just really felt like, you know, the Lord wanted to speak on this issue himself. His word certainly does. And he says in Acts 2, says it in Joel 2 also, but, you know, that in the last days there would be a pouring out of dreams and visions. Um, and I really, I just want this book to help steward uh, that movement and to help prepare the body of Christ to, you know, not over-steward it or under-steward it. Uh, So this topic is really just about a relationship with God and communicating with Him. You can't have any relationship at all with your spouse, your boss, your best friend, your neighbor, unless you're talking. And so my heart is just to help people understand that communication with God is the birthright of every believer, and I believe that's when we're waking and sleeping. Laura, there are 10 fascinating topics that you write about, so I want to get started. Uh, the first one is God ever silent, question mark. That's how you open your book. Right. Well, I had been in, I guess, what you call a dark night of the soul. I'm sure you have been in that place, and many other people have, where you can't hear the Lord. You just think, okay, where are you? Throw me a bone, anything, you know? And you, the heavens seem bronze, and... You go to his word, and, uh, you know, there is never a bad time to read God's word, and there is never a verse in there that won't apply to your life somehow. But I'm talking about maybe you have a decision that you have to make that you very practically need God's direction on. And in our case, my husband was, um, he was in the Christian music industry as a record record industry executive. And, um, you know, we had really felt led to step out of that and into more hands-on ministry and we had five children at the time, and so we did that at God's leading. And about probably six months into it, we were just needing direction from the Lord on our next step. We had five kids to feed, you know, and he had gone from six digits to zero overnight, started a management company that included 
um, you know, we had this vision for managing not just musicians like he had done before, but writers and actors and sculptors and dancers and just all of the arts included. So here we were, you know, we started this company and um, and it it just, it was prospering, but not enough to feed seven people. And then we had a, a sixth child during that leap of faith, with that free fall, as I called it. Um, and so basically, you know, I just went to the Lord one night and I said, Father, I, I we have got to have direction from you. And I had not heard anything, and Chris had not heard anything, and finally I heard the Lord say this one phrase, and I didn't think it had anything to do with anything, (laughs) you know, my situation, but I heard him say five days, just very, very clearly, and uh, I knew all at once, um, you know, that he was going to let me ask him the question that I I had seen Christian bookstores and bookshelves filled with books about what to do when God is silent, and it was bothering me that I was experiencing that, but I couldn't reconcile that with Scripture and see that God had a mute button and would just withhold communication for us from us. So when he said five days, it like I knew all at once that he was going to provide a way for me to read through the entire Bible in five days mm. and ask him that one question, mm. is God ever silent? So he provided a way. My father had just built a prayer cabin on his farm, and I guess I was his first customer. I'm talking no electricity, chopping wood, you know. <laughs> So Daddy got me all stocked up, and Chris, keep in mind he's self-employed by now, he was he took care of the children, and and I went down there and I read through all of Scripture. I mean, I read every verse. I didn't stop to chew on the Greek or Hebrew or anything like that. I just took that and a journal and made notes of any place that I could find where it told me that God was silent, and I did not find one verse. I found plenty of verses like, if I regard iniquity in my heart, you will not hear me. But what it did was it put the burden back on my ears and not on God's mouth. So it settled that in my mind. God is not silent. Um, and I just began to cry out to him. And he first thing he did was bypass my ears entirely and started using my eyes. I started having dreams and visions at night. Um, but, you know, there's a passage in Job 33 that says, For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. So five days, those five days changed my life. God started pouring out dreams and visions after that. But then, as it says here in Job 30, he also opened my ears again. Um, And I just feel like ministry was born during that time and a passion in me to teach other people about 24-7 communication with God. My guest is Laura Harris-Smith. Her book is out. It's called Seeing the Voice of God. Uh, Here's the second topic, Laura. When your dreams are for now, five types of prophetic dreams for the present. Uh, How did you come up with this? (laughs) Uh, Trial and error, you know, and looking in Scripture and uh, finding having a dream that I just did not know what to do with based on current day situations, or, you know, maybe that person wasn't even in your life uh, yet, and that you dreamed about. And so I just came to the conclusion, wow, some dreams you just have to pray about and tuck them away, file them away, um, and then others are just right now for today. And so I began to just, you know, ask God to show me each of these in Scripture. So I came up with these 10 topics when I was writing the book, these 10 types of dreams, um, and just God gave me examples you know, for each of them from Scripture, but then I also, in the book, give readers 
um, examples. So, I mean, I can can I give you an example of one of those? Please. Okay. Well, there's one of the types of dreams is is called a warning dream. I think a lot of people mistake these for nightmares. Um, nightmares are very real, nightmares and night terrors. But there's some dreams that you wake up and they're unsettling. And they're just, they're just disturbing. They nag you. They just stay with you all day, you know. And it's the Lord giving you information so you can pray, so that you can change the situation, partner with Him in prayer. And so this particular morning, I not only had a warning dream, it was a waking dream. And a waking dream is just what it sounds like. It is right as you open your eyes. Sometimes it even startles you to a waking place, you know. Well, so what happened was I saw myself standing outside of our church. We pastor uh, this church in Nashville, Eastgate, as you said. And, you know, I'm standing there in front of the church, and all of a sudden I see this wrecking ball, and it's coming towards me, uh, towards the church. It's coming towards the church, but because I'm in between them, you know, it's coming right in my face. And that was it. I woke up startled. Uh, Wow. I mean, you know, just imagine that image. You see it. You feel it. It's happening to you in the dream. And I, it was a Sunday morning. I knew immediately that the Lord was saying there was something coming against our church to wreck our church and uh, that I was going to have to stand in the gap in between that and our flock and pray about it, protect them. So I knew that the early morning, you know, the pre-service prayer team would already be at the church praying in and, and a little while. So I got up, got dressed, got there early. I must have barged in there like a china, a bull in a china closet, you know, because I, I gathered elders and music, you know, the worship pastor and just everybody I could find that I knew would pray, uh, not just to get them to pray, but to alert them, you know, be on the lookout because I think the enemy has something up his sleeve. And sure enough, that week, um, two very key families in our church, a feud broke out between them in the worst possible way. It was between their children. And, you know, we're all very protective of our children and we'll side with our children. And, uh, and so what happened was we had, we recognized it when it came. Um, we had set time aside in our schedule that wound up, you know, for prayer that wound up being used for mediation meetings. We met extensively with these two families. It could have caused a church split had either one of them left. Laura Harris-Smith is our guest. We got more with Laura right after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Hello, this is John Butler Book, and I want to cordially invite you to listen to my radio talk show every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. You won't have to bring a loaf of bread or a jar of mayonnaise with you because we're not going to hand you any bologna. Just the meat of the word of the water of life. A page from the book, John Butler Book, right here on new 950 WTLN every Sunday night from 8 to 9 p.m. I want to hear from you. Pick up the phone and call us. Exercise your First Amendment rights right away. Hi, everybody. It's Pete Paquette, your morning host here at the new 950 WTLN. And I'd like to welcome back a computer program here on the weekends very familiar to our listeners. It's Tech Talk and more. Saturday afternoons at 4 from Palm Tree Computer Systems and Jinx IT. They are the experts on any problem you might be having. Downloads, uploads, software, hardware. You've got questions? These experts have the answers. And you never know when you could win something pretty cool. It's Tech Talk and more. Now Saturday afternoons at 4 on the new 950 WTLN and WTLN.com. Have you ever had a time when you felt you heard God's whisper? This may be one of those times. 
If you or someone you know is pregnant, adoption is a positive alternative and a truly brave decision you don't need to make alone. Life for Kids is a private, nonprofit Christian and licensed adoption agency serving women who are pregnant, their unborn babies, and the adoptive families who are praying you will choose life. Life for Kids offers compassionate counseling, adoption planning, information, and support. Have you considered adopting? Life for Kids serves Christian couples called by God to adopt, and they've placed children into loving Christian homes for over 20 years. Is this the whisper you've been waiting for? Adoption is a positive choice. Life for Kids will walk with you on your adoption journey. Visit lifeforkids.com. That's lifeforkids.com. Lifeforkids.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Laura Harris-Smith is our guest. Her book is out with Ravel, Seeing the Voice of God, What God is Telling You Through Dreams and Visions. Uh, What we have covered, Is God Ever Silent? Then we covered, When Your Dreams Are For Now. Now, Laura, When Your Dreams Are For Later. What is this? (laughs) What's, What's happening here? What's this mean? Well, when your dreams are for later, it's just something that you're going to have to to pray about. I guess even in the example I was just giving, that dream was immediate because I had to pray immediately, but it wasn't until later that week that everything kind of broke loose, you know, with these families. But but because we had already fondued everything in prayer, I had a beautiful outcome and love won and prayer won. So that's an example, I guess, of of both. However, I've also had dreams and many of us have, where they are, it's something that's like way in the future. Um, I mean, my goodness, look at the prophets. They saw things that still have not come to pass in Israel and in the world and world governments. They're up there in heaven hundreds, thousands of years later, just on the edge of their seats, you know, waiting for some of these dreams to come to pass. So so there are definite times when we have what I call incubation dreams, and we must just pray with them. Now I want you to talk about sleep, which Mm. you call the mattress of dreams. (laughs) Uh, yes. Fill us in. Well, I, you know, I really felt like we needed some medical information on this beautiful thing called sleep. We are a sleep-deprived society. Um, Forty million people are riddled with sleep apneas or insomnias. Another 20 million experience it occasionally. We all have massive sleep debts. And so I just felt like the Lord wanted us to first address that, you know, we can't, I can't get you to, to even begin dreaming and remembering your dreams if we can't get you to sleep. So I interviewed a sleep study doctor and gathered all sorts of other research on the topic. And chapters four and five are all medical information based on uh, sleep itself, sleep cycles, how to get a good night's sleep, how to beat insomnia, how to do all these things that really the enemy is trying to steal what I believe is a sacred third of your day. The enemy did, you know, he, he'll do anything uh, to distract us. And God he created the moon and the stars and nighttime for a very a very sacred purpose. It wasn't just something he thought afterwards, oh, well, and then, you know, we'll just, the sun and the, the all the daytime, that's the most important stuff, and, and not this other with the nighttime. No, that is a very important time. And if he says he'll never leave us or forsake us, he means during the nighttime, too. So I just explored that in Chapter 4, and then 
you know, found out, to my surprise as well, that when we are sleeping, we're having between four and six dream cycles each night. They call them REM cycles, rapid eye movement. And in each one of those are four to six dreams. So we're having between, it's scientifically proven, between 16 and 36 dreams each night. So the question is not, why don't I ever dream? The question is, why don't I remember my dreams? So that is what Chapter 5's medical chapter is about. It's called Dream Recall. And I just cited tons of research um, and good, good research, not from Silly College USA, but, you know, John Hopkins and Mayo Clinic on the, the vitamins and nutrients that you can take to improve your dream recall, not just your memory period, but your dream recall. Um, and I am happy to report that as the book is now five, six months old, the emails that I think are the most wonderful to me are the ones that say, I was not dreaming and I've made, or I was not remembering my dreams and I've made this and such changes that you suggested that I make, that research suggests that I make. And I am remembering my dreams and guess what the Lord has instructed me to do and guess what's happened. I mean, that to me is like payday. <laughs> so mm. yeah, there are definite things we need to do to take care of this temple God allows his spirit to live in. So you write about food, vitamins, minerals, mm-hmm. herbs and teas, essential oils. My goodness, it's that simple? Yeah, well, it, it, it's interesting. It's uh, I wouldn't call it simple. Um, but I would say that everything, all of those things, if you really study those, those were all made on the third day of creation. God is the author of every one of those things, the herbs, the oils, all the minerals that were in the, you know, the rocks, the plants, all of that. And so basically what it's doing is it's, it's taking back your dreams. It's taking that, that part of your health back. Um, and I, I want to say this. I've been asked before, well, can't God just override all that if he has a a warning dream he needs to give you? Do you have to be totally healthy to to hear a warning from the Lord? My answer is absolutely not. I have been unhealthy at times in my life and had plenty of warning dreams. But, you know, wouldn't we really rather communicate with God during times of non-conflict, too, and be able to just hear from him any time, night or day? His word is, let me say this, paramount. The written word of God is paramount. You can hear from him by reading black and white. He is always there to speak to us through that. But again, there are times when you need a word from the Lord, but, but the Bible is the written word or rhema, the spoken word. And there are times when you need a rhema. <laughs> You've got to have a revelation from the Lord about a situation. So I get excited at the thought of helping people um, position themselves physically and emotionally to where their spirit can really take precedence as the main voice in their life and receive from God's voice. You do a chapter on visions. What's the difference between a dream and a vision? Well, besides the typical, you know, many people think, well, visions are just during the day and dreams are at night. So that, I mean, that can be true. However, you know, if you're lying in bed at night, and this happens to me all the time, if I wake up or turn over and I glance at something, then I roll back over and shut my eyes, not asleep yet, but I have a vision. That's still a vision, even though it's at night. I believe the Bible refers to that as a night vision. So there are all types of different communications from the Lord visually, and I explore all of those in, in that chapter, uh, chapter 6, just about dark speeches, you know, night visions, open visions, um, 
trances. It's interesting. I didn't. I wasn't comfortable with that word, and then I found it in scripture. <laughs> Some translations use the word translations, like Paul was translated, uh, or you know, Isaiah was translated to another spot. He, he was picked up and taken somewhere else and shown something, or Paul fell into a trance and saw the sheet and the food, and you know, all of that. So I just explore all of these visual experiences uh, in that chapter, not just visions. Because I think it's important for us to acknowledge that God will sometimes speak that way. Now I want you to talk about interpretations and dream dictionary. What's that? What's that mean, Laura? You know, I I have just about had my fill of uh, secular dream interpretations, mediums, psychics. Uh, in fact, in chapter ten, you know, I actually have an interview with a former psychic. It, it, that whole demographic of people, I believe, are ministering. I use that word loosely, ministering to a a group of people who perhaps have a calling by God to be seers, you know, to be visionaries for the body of Christ, and yet they're getting these false interpretations that are really flaky and fleshy. And and then they're beginning to govern other people in the church with them, and my, I've just had my fill of it. You know, I went to a secular dream interpretation website once to check it out, see what they were saying, and um, you know, and and there was something on there about if you're a woman and you dream of biscuits, you're not ambitious enough in your career. I thought, where are they getting this stuff? Like mm. it's not even relevant. So I told the publisher, I want to create a biblical dream symbol based on. You know, I want to do a thousand symbols and explore linking each symbol back to Scripture um, so that people can accurately interpret their dreams. And and their response to me was, are you sure you want to do a thousand symbols? And I was like, oh, yeah, that would be awesome. You know, about 500 words in, <laughs> I thought, what in the world have I bitten off? It was definitely a, you know, it was a, a difficult time uh, to just be able to think of, that whole concept, you know, and so I set myself out to just say, it's going to, God's going to grace me to do it, and he did grace me to do it. And so I'm happy to say that in the Dream Dictionary, there are um, just different, there's a thousand symbols, but there are, you know, numbers, um, every symbol that you can imagine, probably. Some of them are found in Scripture, so it's easy to say, oh, well, this you know, storms or snakes or whatever that can point to this verse and perhaps mean this symbolically in your life. But there's some symbols that just are not in Scripture. Um, And for those, like I remember, you know, one time I was dreaming about being in a car and I was just driving while looking in a rearview mirror, which was very dangerous. And I just, I felt like, you know, even though a rearview mirror was nowhere in Scripture, I felt like what the Lord was saying to me was, you are looking in the past on this situation, and you I know exactly what he was saying to me. You need to get your eyes, forget that which lies behind, and reach towards what's in the future. It was Philippians 3. So in that case, I put that verse in there with that modern symbol. So, you know, I, I really believe that Chapter 7, the Dream Dictionary, is what will keep seeing the voice of God on people's nightstands long after they finish reading the book, and that's, in fact, what I'm already hearing. What is 2020 hearing about? <laughs> well, you know, I explained to you the journey of not being able to hear the Lord and, and wanting to discern His voice. And so I, you know, I really just set out to um, ask the Lord to help me help others hear His voice as well. I think I say in the beginning of that chapter, I'd be a bad friend 
if I didn't help you, you know, address your ears and help you um, discern the voice of the Lord as well. So the Lord gave me this little acronym. It's just static, the things that cause static in our ears. We get on the wrong radio frequency with God. Can't seem to figure out what channel he's on. We think he's moved when actually it's us that's gotten off the, you know, the right channel. And so I just discussed those things that cause us to do that. And, um, and may, I, may I just say them really quickly? Please do. I'd love to tell our readers, or our listeners, um, you know, the S would be sin. That's just a huge one, because sin disfellowships you from God. And if you are getting away from God, you're going to hear him less and less. Um, you know, uh, T would be our uh, time, our busy schedules. We just We just seem to have this grocery list when we do sit down with God to pray. We have this list, we just pray, and we do all the talking, and and our busy schedule just eclipses our whole ability to be able to hear Him. Um, And A is ambivalence. You know, oh, well, do I really want to hear the Lord? Is it really possible? I'm not sure. Okay, I think it is. Was that the Lord? Oh, that probably wasn't the Lord. And we just waver back and forth and don't ever make any progress there. And then T, I would say, are your trials. Um, you know, your inability to see past all the hard things that you're in the middle of um, and really just spend time with the Lord, just listening to him. I, I say, um, is illiteracy, that we have a generation in the church who don't know how to read the Word of God. And, you know, how can you stand on the promises unless you know what they are? So we need to get back in the Word. And then C would be competing voices. And I think at any given time there are, you know, at least five voices in your head trying to guide you. Um, yes, some are, you know, one Satan's voice, one is God's, but there's others too. There's just, you know, the voice of your conscience, which I think you can even see it in children. They have that voice uh, from right or wrong, and there's your flesh's voice. So there's, there's just a myriad of things that compete for the airways, you know, from, from God's mouth to our ears. And so I just wanted to dissect those a little bit and apply Scripture to them and encourage people to apply their faith towards hearing the Lord again. We've got about a minute and a half here, Laura. What about deaf and dumb, mm. but not blind? <laughs> yes, I, as I said, I, I really think that sometimes you can um, be in a hearing drought and the Lord will open your eyes. And so you may feel deaf and dumb. You may feel unable to pray. Um, and in fact, right now, if there's anybody listening in the sound of my voice who is, I just speak over you that you are not only going to hear the Lord, but that you won't be blind. He is going to show you, just quicken all of your senses to communicate with Him in a brand new way. And then we've got enough time to talk about Chapter 10, Discernment of Spirits. Yeah, one of my favorites. I don't think you can really approach this topic without being wise. Uh, and so it's a discernment of spirits chapter, but it also talks about some counterfeits. I interview a former lucid dreamer. That's a huge topic today, ever since the movie, movie Inception. Um, and then also I have an interview with a former psychic who's now a Christian. And uh, and I just discuss, you know, the dangers, the, the be careful, um, and just making sure that everything is based on the Word of God, because you want to hear His voice and not someone else's. Laura Harris-Smith has been our guest, founder of Eastgate Creative Christian Fellowship, author of the book, Seeing the Voice of God, What God is Telling You Through Dreams and Visions. Revel, the publisher. Laura, a million thanks. It's been a great visit. 
Thank you, too. I appreciate it. We will have a, uh, another guest right after this. Just a reminder, you're listening to the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, AM 950 WTN in Orlando. Stay with us for right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Here's Martin Renforth, president of Above and Beyond AC. When you purchase any system or service from Above and Beyond AC, I'll send a check to your church for 10% of your purchase. No matter how large or small, I'll send 10% of the purchase directly to your church. That's the Above and Beyond 10% promise. At Above and Beyond AC, we know you have a lot of AC companies to choose from. We hope you'll choose us, but we encourage you to get two quotes. You'll find that our pricing is always transparent and competitive. Call 407-483-7945 right now to schedule a no-cost replacement estimate for your air conditioning needs. That's 407-483-7945 for Above and Beyond AC. Remember the Above and Beyond 10% promise. When you purchase any system or service from Above and Beyond AC, we'll send a check to your church for 10% of your purchase. Call 407-483-7945 right now to schedule a no-cost replacement estimate for your air conditioning needs. Call 407-483-7945. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are, why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God? You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Quality, convenient, affordable. Carolina Mountain Water has been serving Central Florida for over 25 years with the best quality and best tasting water at the most affordable price. Carolina Mountain Water offers free home and office delivery with no annual contract or minimum order. Get refreshed for the new year by calling 407-851-7144. The purest water Mother Nature can provide. Carolina Mountain Water. 407-851-7144. Call today for their special offer. 407-851-7144. Online at carolinabottledwater.com. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Laura Harris Smith, our guest in the first half hour, her book called Seeing the Voice of God. Uh, Debbie Ackerman is with us. She's in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, her book is out. The publisher is New Hope Publishers Secrets to Surrender, Living Wholeheartedly. Uh, Debbie, it's so nice to visit with you, and thanks for joining me. Thank you. By the way, how do you describe Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, in the summertime? Uh, It's a bit frantic. Maybe not as much as Orlando during uh, your highest tourist season, but folks are flocking to the beach and the putt-putt golf courses, and then the uh, 18-hole courses as well. And so there are many things that attract people here. Does Myrtle Beach continue to grow? Yes. Oh, yes. In the 14 years we've been here, we've seen huge growth from retirees and for people seeking warmer climate. What's the church situation in Myrtle Beach? The church situation is good. There are some very strong churches in several denominations, and they are churches who are not just intent on growing in numbers, but in growing and reaching out to um, folks who have great needs here. 
my husband works with a homeless population. And so behind all the seafood buffets and behind the putt-putt golf are people living in the woods and living rough on the street. People come here looking for hope and, and uh, not finding it, so turning to the things that uh, typically help them ease any pain. And so uh, we, we help out with those folks, and many of our churches do as well. Tell me about your new book. It began a while ago, uh, several years ago. God would impress on me a word or a verse for a year, and I would spend some time just trying to understand it in a deeper way, instead of the passing way maybe that I had in the past or a superficial way. And the word wholeheartedly came to me when I discovered in Numbers chapter 14 that God described Caleb as a man who, who had a different spirit and who followed him wholeheartedly. And I began to look up all the verses in Scripture that had that sense of wholeheartedness, either using that exact word, or all my heart, or all your heart. And that led me to the Shema of the Old Testament, and then to Jesus, who used uh, the very words of God um, in what is the greatest commandment. And as our organization of mission support and missions involvement began to look at a new theme for the coming year, and uh, landed on all for you and the verse in Mark 8 where Jesus says, if anyone would follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I, I began to go back to those words wholeheartedly, and that all for you living is wholehearted living. Chapter 1 of your book, Debbie, you call Creative Love. What does that mean? Well, I wanted to begin somewhere, and I... I believe God was leading me to Genesis 1 that said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I believe that we sometimes read the the first chapter, the first two chapters of Genesis with the, the strength of God, maybe, or the creativeness of God, but we don't often read it with the love that God had for what he was doing, creating this new earth and then creating people who would be in his image and who he would fellowship with in, in such intimacy that we will not know until we are in heaven. And so that's why I called it creative love. Second topic I want you to get into is the wholehearted theme of Scripture. Uh, I think we see that throughout Scripture because men and women's hearts have been worked on by God, worked on through experiences, worked on through a crisis of belief where they had to make a a choice. And I think that all of us have to make a choice as whether we will have a heart for God, whether we will live in the way God calls us to. He doesn't want us to have half-heartedness. He wants us to have wholeheartedness and our love for Him and, and our willingness to do whatever He asks us to do. And I give several examples of that. There's David some have said, well, maybe he really didn't have uh, a heart after God, but God said he did, and so we must believe that. Uh, The message says, he's a man whose heart beats to my heart. Those are God's words in the message. And so it begs the question of us, does our heart beat? And I think we see that through the men and women. Elizabeth and Mary are examples of women whose heart beated for God. For when they received uh, the assignment of having unlikely pregnancies, questionable pregnancies of that day, um, they, they determined that they would live wholeheartedly through those months for the Lord. 
I'm interested in the chapter about Caleb having a different spirit. I'm, I'm a Caleb fan. Are you? Uh-huh. So fill me in. All right. Caleb experienced leaving Egypt. We don't hear about him until later in Numbers 14, but he experienced the the blood being dogged. Perhaps he did it on his own doorframe as a young man. And and what and was he one of the seventy perhaps who were called to be co-leaders with Moses when God gave Moses the help of those 70 leaders. And then he must have been a leader of his tribe because he went out into the area that would become the promised land. And how he must have felt when they came back as a group of spies and Ken said, nope, can't do it. And then Caleb was the man with a voice of reason saying, yes, we can. And one of the translations of Scripture says he calmed down the crowd. I mean, they were saying, let's stone these who want to go. Let's get a new leader. Let's go back to Egypt. And Caleb was saying, no, no. He saw the promised land the way the Lord saw it. Now, now we've moved now uh, to a minority voice revealing a whole heart for God. Who, who is that? What's going on here? Well, that's Caleb. That's Caleb. He he was willing to step up, even though there were threats of stoning, and say, no, no, God has given us a promise, because he didn't see the giants. He didn't feel like a grasshopper. He felt the power of God, not only to speak, but to go, if only the others would do it. But then, he waited 40 years. And it doesn't say he did that in a rebellious spirit, because at the end of those 40 years, God had equipped him to be the leader into the promised land. How about the heart of the matter? That's the fifth topic, Debbie. Mm-hmm. Fill us in. Well, I think there comes a point in our life when Jesus calls us to surrender. And when Jesus said to his disciples, if you would come after me, and he said it to the crowd as well. If you go back to those verses in Mark 8, it says he said to the crowd this too. And he said, deny yourself and take up your cross. And we have to make a choice like that, too. This was a pivotal point. And when I speak to this, I say to folks, next to this verse, right, pivotal moment. Because the cross was not some glib, oh, well, we all have a cross to bear. The cross was very real. And if someone was going to follow Christ, they just might be called on to give up their life. And after Jesus went to the cross, that became the reality of the day. But it's still the reality of the day. It's still the heart of the matter. Are we willing to put our lives down for the cause of Christ so that others would know him? And that's what our missionaries are facing around the world today. And believers are facing it. Missionaries might go in and then come out. But the believer in that nation where other faiths are saying, if you believe in Christ, you will be killed. And they're taking a stand for Jesus. I'm eager to hear about uh, doing life the Deuteronomy way. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. Well, if you've ever been to a bar mitzvah, and I have been to one, you hear much about the Shema. And that began my, my intrigue with learning more about it. I'm a pretty linear person, and I like doing things by the book. And I like living my life by the, by the holy book, the Bible. And when I began to read in, in Deuteronomy all, all of what the Shema was meant, um, 
And it said that the commandments were to be on their hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. I think Scripture, all through Scripture, we see that, that discussion of what is doing life. And it's supposed to fill all of our life. And it's, it's about the love of God and how we are to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and all our minds and all our strength. And, and John, when he wrote about the love of God, I think we see that. And I give examples in the book of Wilberforce and, and Newton and the conversations that led them into that, into that faith. And if we look in Hebrews at the hall of faith in the Old Testament folks, we see that, that love for God. King-size wholeheartedness. That's how you end Section 1, Debbie. Yes. Well, trying to live wholeheartedly for the Lord is just more than we, we, we believe we can do. And as we strive towards that, some days we think, oh, I might be getting it. And then reality sets in, and we have, we have a new place to go. But I think there are people who we haven't really looked at, and good King Asa was one of those, and he did what was right. Um, He had to remove things from his life that were wrong and from the lives of those that he led. And leaders in Christian faith often have to analyze their lives one more time and say, am I really living up to that king-sized wholeheartedness? And then King Asa had to, to use times of rest to fortify himself to be that leader. And I think... Those who are wholehearted leaders often think they can do it without any rest. But Jesus, he went out early in the morning and he rested with the Father. And God, even in his creation, he took a time of rest, not because he needed it, because he knew that would be an example for us forever. And then I think that uh, we have to take the advice that God gives us. And then I talked about Good King Wenceslas, and we've all sung that on occasion. It's not the favorite Christmas carol, but when we begin to look at the life of Good King Wenceslas um, and look at how young he gave up his life, and then King Jesus. I don't think we use that term often enough about our Jesus. He is the king. He's the king enthroned forever. And I love looking at Jesus through that descriptor of him being our king. I want you to talk about the eighth topic here, counting the cost of carrying the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do that. I think that we should be more about what does this truly mean in the most important decision we ever make. And I use the example of the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. And that was a song that was being sung at camp when I gave my life to Christ. But I had no idea in that moment what it would really mean as an eight-year-old. But adults who are coming to faith in really hard places, like the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, that that is attributed to a man in, um, in Asia who, when told to renounce his faith or he would die, said, I have decided to follow Jesus. And when they said, well, then we will kill your family, who were right there by him. And he said, though no one joins me, still I will follow. And then they killed his wife and his children. And as they pointed the gun at him, it said, he says, the world behind me, the cross before me. Mm. And those words are are just, um, they make us realize it is not a glib, take up your cross. 
It is the reality that we might one day be called on to lay down our lives. Upright living in an upside-down world. What do you write yes. there? What do you write there, Debbie? Well, the the postmodernity of of the world today has really softened what it means to live a Christian lifestyle. It makes nominal Christian living mainstream Christian living, and I don't think that's the way it is to be. Jesus didn't live according to the prevailing religious thoughts. And, and so I've, I list some things that how Jesus saw the world from the top down. He had a three-dimensional look at life. From the top down, he was in the top of a mountain. He was at the top of a cross. He was at the top of a city looking out with the temptation to uh, give it all up for what he could have. And then from the bottom up, Jesus reverses that, and he was the meek with all the power, creative power, but he also was the one who washed disciples' feet. And then from side to side, on the road to Emmaus, never hesitating to share what it really means to know God. And even on the cross, side to side, in the greatest thing that Jesus could do for us, he took time to forgive a sinner. My guest is Debbie Ackerman. We've got more with Debbie right after this. You're listening to the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Hello, this is John Butler Book, and I want to cordially invite you to listen to my radio talk show every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. You know, we suffer from three kinds of individuals in our country today, the misinformed, the uninformed, and worst of all, the chloroform. I don't want you to become one of those who is misinformed, but informed and spiritually motivated and activated to become a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. On the new 950 WTLN, every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m., I'll wait to hear from you. God bless you. The next time you could use a pick-me-up, head over to Godvine.com for uplifting and inspirational videos that you'll truly love. Join the millions of Christians from around the world who watch and share Godvine videos each day. They know that Godvine videos are specially chosen to bring joy and share the love of God and the wonder of His creations. For the very best Christian videos, visit us today at Godvine.com. You know Bellawood Flooring for its beauty and durability. And now at Lumber Liquidators, Bellawood Flooring is on sale. Get 10% off every Bellawood pre-finished floor, including solid hardwood, ultra-strand bamboo, and Bellawood mat with a unique oil-finished look. Save big on pre-finished hardwood at just $169 a square foot and Black Forest laminate for only $0.49. So go to LumberLiquidators.com today to find the store nearest you. Over 70 flooring deals and special 12-month financings available. But hurry, the sale ends Tuesday. When your battery goes out on you, it's like a sucker punch to the gut. But now at Napa, when you buy a new battery, alternator, or starter, you get a Visa rebate card by mail for up to $25. And a Visa rebate card for up to $25 with a new battery? Well, that's like a sucker punch to the gut, but from a really pretty girl. Conquer the job with Napa know-how. And participating Napa Auto Parts stores. Offer expires 731 You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Debbie Ackerman is with us. 
from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We're talking about her book, Secrets to Surrender. How about The Undivided Heart, uh, Debbie? What do you write here? Well, if we're going to be wholehearted, then we should not have a divided heart. And I think that we see three steps to that in Psalm 86. Uh, First, that God is our teacher, and that we need to spend time with God in His Word and in prayer. And then, then we also need to understand that it is God who will give us that undivided heart, but it might require some hard things. Ezekiel provides that image where he... He prays, give them an undivided heart, and put a new spirit in them. Um, God spoke through that. And then also David repented of sin that divided his heart. And I think all of us sometimes come up against something in our heart that is keeping us from going further with God in our lives, from having that truly undivided heart, things that either seep in or choices that we've made, that somehow become a wall between us and going further with the, with the Lord. How about wholehearted sacrifice? What's that about? Well, we don't like to talk about sacrifice. We don't like to talk about um, giving up. Um, and, and and so I think there's some principles that Scripture gives us, and Paul gives them to us, and we love to go to Paul because he wrote most of the New Testament books, it seems, and he he gives us some principles. First in Romans, he says we need to renew our mind, and um, we want to have a mind that looks like the other minds of the world today, and that goes back to that righteous living in a a world of, of, of not having Christ at the center. But we have to renew our minds, and we do that, I believe, by letting the mind of Christ be in us. It's told that we can. And we think about that rich young ruler who, who thought about all that he had, and he could not get out of his mind the fact it was riches or it was Jesus. And then we need to keep our minds spiritually protected, and I think that's why Paul talks about the helmet of salvation, and that we have to have that protection. And I pray that for my husband, who every day goes out into the world of the homeless and the addicted. And he, he speaks to them about Jesus. And then there's the Colossians verse, Colossians 3.17, do everything in the name of Jesus. If we can't look at what we're doing when we think about serving the Lord and can't think that we're doing this all for the glory of Jesus, all in the name of Jesus, then maybe that's not what we're to be doing. And then Philippians 3, we have to have value in knowing Christ over everything else. And then we get to all-for-you sacrifice. What's, what does that mean? All-for-you. Well, when we sacrifice, it's really laying ourselves alive aside. That's what Jesus said when he said, deny self and take up my cross. It is, it is that cross of whatever it takes, Jesus. And I tell some stories, the story of a, a young woman whose husband um, died, or she died, and then... Um, in her husband coming to faith, a child in the audience, seeing that man, that widower, go forward and come to Christ, looking at her mother and saying, do mothers have to die for daddies to be saved? And that mother, faced with that, how to understand that, and would she be willing to lay herself down so that her husband would come to faith? Those are hard things. That is all for you, sacrifice. Heart of Gold. What's that mean, Debbie? The heart of gold. Well, I've always loved that song. It's been around a long time. I choose the refiner's fire. And I think that speaks of 
of what a heart of gold is. It's one that we've allowed God to refine. If we look at our hearts, and we really look at our hearts, we are not going to see much gold there. We're going to see the things of the world penetrating it, the things we've held on to, and God has to refine us. And to choose his refining fire so that we might have a heart of gold, I think that's really hard to choose. It's hard to let God have his way in our heart. Two sides to the sacrifice story. Yes. There are two sides to that. We think of missionaries sacrificing to go to the field, but the families they leave behind are the other side of sacrifice. Mothers watching the precious child. One, one mother of a missionary who told me her story was a Hannah story. Her precious daughter was her Samuel, and she promised God that whatever God wanted to do with her daughter, she would allow that. She would support that. She would be cheering her daughter on and serving the Lord. And her daughter is in a um, high-security area of missions work in a world populated by Muslims, and she's sharing Jesus with Muslim women. Mm. That's the other side. The mothers, the brothers and sisters, the children who stay behind while the, the men and women go off to share Christ. Surrender, sacrifice, and serve. Uh, that's an important chapter, obviously, isn't it, Debbie? I believe it is. Uh, surrender is, is what weaves it all together. You don't find somebody who is serving the Lord wholeheartedly who has not had full surrender to the Lord. And you don't see somebody who is, who is um, laying it all down to go to those hard places. 200 years ago, missionaries went with their coffins because they didn't believe they'd ever return home. There was no such thing as a furlough. Well, today I'm hearing missionaries at their appointment services say, we're going for as long as the Lord would have us there, and we don't even know if we'll ever come back. But we're going, trusting God. Mm. I think that there's not one and then the other. It is a continuum. Talk to us about the ends of wholehearted serving. Well, there are three ends that I discovered. Um, and when we look at the life of King Hezekiah, um, he's one of the few great and good kings of Judah, and he reigned for a long time. And he was very young when he came to the throne. He was only 25, but he had these king-sized footsteps to follow. And, and then... Um, the scripture in Second Chronicles 31 tells us some things. It says, in everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly, and so he prospered. And that reminds us that in everything, we have to have the wholehearted aspect of serving God, not personal aspirations, not even our own initiatives, but at the call of God. And then in service, um, Hezekiah didn't see himself as a linchpin for Judah's revival. Um, he saw his work as God's work and himself as the servant. And we have to see ourselves in that humble way, even if we have a crown or if we have CEO after our name or president, whatever that is, we need to see ourselves as a servant. And then it was an obedience. He was confirming God's laws. And he was allowing those same laws to constrain him 100%. So no matter how consumed we are serving, we must not neglect seeking God so that we can stay in that, that true obedience to him. Debbie Ackerman is our guest from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The book is called Secrets to Surrender, Living Wholeheartedly. 
uh, as we get to the end of the book, Debbie, uh, I want you to talk about Solomon. And Solomon prayed, you say in chapter 18, prayer pattern for intercession. Well, Solomon has this wonderful prayer, and until you start really studying what are the other things, I mean, we think of Solomon and wisdom. Do we think of him as a prayer person? We probably don't. And I think he gives us a prayer pattern when the temple was dedicated. He made this amazing temple to the glory of God and for his name, and there are just things about it that we don't think. Um, he was the realities of Israelites. Solomon prayed for their most pressing needs. Their sinfulness. And when we think of Israel, we know there was that that cycle of full sinfulness and then God's redeeming them and then them them coming to that need of forgiveness and that we need to pray for the real impressing issues of our lives. And then in hope for the world, Solomon prayed for the nations of the world. He wanted that temple that had been created to be welcoming to people from all over the known world at that time. And he welcomed them to come into the courtyards. That's the place where the Gentiles, the aliens, were allowed to come in to experience what it meant to be a follower of Jehovah. We're the worldwide intercessors for missionaries, for people groups, for cultures, and leaders of nations. And that the only way to be a follower of God is to know Jesus Christ. Debbie Ackerman has been our guest, author of Secrets to Surrender. Uh, We've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. <laughs> 